continuing with our Impact Your World sermon series, we spoke about engaging culture and community last week, and we, we learned how to interact or the importance of interacting with those who are outside of the church and the, the value of inviting them into the journey that we are walking on and seeing them coming to know the Lord, being transformed by his power and living in the fullness of their destiny. Today we are going to be talking about establishing spiritual foundations. So Lord, I pray that as we talk today about your truth and your word, Holy Spirit, would you come and open our eyes and open our minds to the truth that you want to bring. Holy Spirit, I pray that no one would leave here unchanged. Lord God, would you touch our hearts? Would you deliver us from wrong thinking, Lord God? Would you establish the right kingdom outlook in our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Strengthen us. Make us brave. Make us understand your love. Let us know that we are loved. And Lord God, let us know that you have a plan for every situation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. So sometimes life offers you so many options that it's hard to know what to focus on. Going shopping in December just before Christmas is one of these times. You know it. If you don't know it, come with me on a journey to your favorite mall on the 18th of December. All you want to do is buy a pair of shoes. But every shop is conspiring together <laughs> to make you buy a thousand things you never knew you needed until you saw them and then you know, knew, I can't live without that. On your right, in your favorite clothes store, is a jacket, a formal workwear jacket, and on the inside are cartoon characters, so that you can go from formal work environment into fun party person in one move. You never knew you needed that, but now that you see it, you're like, wow, how did I live without that? <laughs> then there is a table outside a store with gadgets and fantastic things. There is a baseball bat that doubles as a carjack. And in emergencies can be used as a taser. You are amazed. How can you live without that thing? Left, right, and center, distractions everywhere. This phenomenon is exacerbated, made worse, when you have children. 18th of December, going through the mall with your kids is crazy times. My dad had this technique, and what he would do is that at the relevant moment, he would point up to the ceiling, and he would exclaim, look at that. We would all look at it and be working so hard as children to work out what he was looking at that seemed so important. In the meantime, he was ushering us carefully past the candy store, which was in the other direction. He was a smart dad. And that's a, for all you parents, that's a free little bit of advice there for you. This, this very scenario 
was faced by Holy Spirit in Acts 2. So many distractions vying for the attention of people when there was something very important. So many distractions pulling away from the mission. 120 of Jesus' followers are in the upper room. He's told them to wait there for the special moment. And the special moment has happened. Holy Spirit has come upon them and tongues of fire have rested on their heads. They all begin to speak in unknown tongues. In the city around them are people from every single nation of, of the accessible world at that time, accessible to Jerusalem. They are all there crowded in the city. Things are going on. I, I bet you they're selling their wares and just interacting with people. The, the 120 go down from the upper room into the city. And these people look at them and say, they must be drunk. Why are they behaving like this? You know, the, the options for craziness are infinite at this moment. I mean, right now, at that time in Jerusalem, it is, it is likely that someone was thinking, the church of the fireheads, we've got to start that. Someone is looking at starting the cult of the tongue talkers. All around, people, people are trying to figure this out. Oh my gosh, these people are drunk. Does that mean God condones drinking? Let's go out and have a party. Party. All kinds of things happening. All kinds of options. All kinds of distractions like a mall in December. Into this scenario, Holy Spirit navigates his church to all the kinds of options that could have been put on the table to the magnificent outcome of the establishment of his church. And he did it through a speech that Peter gave. Peter stands up and says, these are not drunk as you suppose. And he refers them to the prophecies of the Old Testament that, would, that spoke of this moment when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh and spectacular demonstrations of God's power would follow. Acts 2, from verse 36, we catch Peter in the middle of his speech. He says this, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were, at, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Lord Jesus, bless the reading of your word.
Holy Spirit at this moment lays down in the lives of the believers seven foundations. Seven foundations that will keep the ship of the church steady for millennia right until this day, will keep us on course. He lays down these foundations so that the lives of the individuals in the churches will remain steady, will remain steadfast, will resist the distractions, and will live successful lives. The first foundation we hear Peter talk about is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to need someone at the back to change my slides. I'm so sorry, my clicker is not working. Please watch for my signal and only change when I do that. It's a good signal. Should we all practice it together? I can't do it because then they'll change my slide. Jesus, not Jesus, Peter, he says this, this Jesus whom you crucified, he's a little bit antagonistic, can you hear him? This Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. Now Christ is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah, and it literally means savior. Everyone wants a savior. But Peter didn't say that. He didn't say that God has made this Jesus your savior. He said he's made him your Lord and savior. And the combo is so important. Because you see, Jesus can't save you from the war in your mind unless he's Lord of your thoughts. You see, Jesus can't save you from the consequences of your sin unless he's Lord of those consequences. He can't save you from your choices. He can't save you from the devil unless he's Lord of your choices and Lord of the devil. And he is. We have a resurrection to prove it. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was doing more than doing a spectacular show. He was proving that he's in charge of everything, even death. Therefore, he can save you from everything, even death. Jesus is both Lord and Savior. When we make him Lord, he becomes our Savior. This was the first foundation that Holy Spirit laid down so that we wouldn't just add Jesus to our basket of saviors, to our good ideas, to the religion we already hold, so that Jesus would be supreme over everything so that he could save us in everything. When Jesus is Lord, everything is safe and saved. Because you see, God is good. And when God stepped down in Jesus, in human form as Jesus, the goodness of God became supreme over all things. He's Lord by virtue of the fact that he's creator of the universe. Jesus is Lord by virtue of the fact that he's creator of, of the universe. Jesus is Lord by virtue of the fact that he lived a sinless life. Therefore, he, he conquered and subjugated every sin. He's Lord by virtue of the fact that he defeated the devil and everything evil and rose in the face of its greatest attack. 
you see Jesus, when we put him as Lord over our life, we are safe and we are saved. The second foundation Holy Spirit laid, he said, after he, Peter had said this, they turned to him and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent. Sam and Alan, good to have you back, Alan. Alan's been in Saudi Arabia for a very long time, doing important geological work there. Thank you. Making sure that the world has resources to make energy. I'm so grateful to you. But imagine they decided to go on a holiday to Cape Town. They jumped in their car and filled up with travel snacks head on down. Three and a half hours into the trip, they start noticing signs to Peter Marisburg. Something is wrong. So what do they do? They drive faster. They stop at a petrol station, clean the windscreen, get oil, get petrol, make this car work the best it possibly can, back on the road in the same direction. Clean up their act. Just make it work. Try harder. You see, when you're on the ro wrong road, it doesn't matter how hard you're trying. It doesn't matter how hard you're pushing that accelerator. It doesn't matter how hard you're cleaning up your act. It doesn't matter you're on the wrong road. Turn around. Turn around. Repentance, the word repentance literally means that. It means go in the opposite direction, in your actions and in your thoughts. And Peter was clear. If you're on the wrong road, turn around. This is a foundation Holy Spirit laid. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was going to come and save us and set everything right and we would still do wrong things. And he said that, that when this happens, there's a simple solution. Don't try and work harder. Don't try and blame the car, blame your neighbor, blame your spouse, blame your friend. Just turn around. It's simple. Say you're sorry, turn around, face Jesus, and head toward him. It's called repentance. And it's a lifeline to life. Lifeline to life. That's fairly redundant, but you get the point. If you can go to the next one, thank you. Repentance gets you on and keeps you on the right road. Interestingly enough, repentance is not something you do. It's something you receive because it's a gift from God. You think you can repent whenever you want to, but you can't actually. You can only repent when the grace of God comes upon you to show you what's wrong and give you a chance to go in the other direction. Here's the thing. Whenever you feel and see that something is wrong, take the grace, say you're sorry, and turn around. Because if you... If you experience and know that you're wrong, it means that the grace of God is leading you to repentance. Take the exit. Go in the other direction. The next foundation Holy Spirit laid was baptism in water. How many of you have jumped in the bath recently? If you're in Joburg, didn't happen this past week. 
Go back to the week before that. For those of you who are not from Joburg, we had a week without water because they were fixing something. I hope it's fixed because I don't want to do that again. But how many of you have jumped into a bath and something supernatural happened? Wham! It's like lightning bolt hits. Well, that would be a bad thing if you're in the bath. But, you know, something happened and ah, it's just like you came out of that bath, just a transformed person. You see, that doesn't happen when you get in a bath. But it does happen when you get immersed in the waters of baptism. Because baptism, as we heard earlier, is a public declaration to the world of an inward commitment. But it's also an identification with Christ's death. As you go down in the water, what's happening is you're saying, I'm dying with Christ. And as you are raised up, it's saying, I'm being resurrected with Christ to newness of life. It's a third thing. The Bible describes it in Colossians 2. It describes it as a circumcision of the heart. In 1 Corinthians 10, it describes it as the same as when the Israelites came out of Egypt and passed through the sea and all of the Egyptians were drowned in the water. They were separated from their slave masters. In circumcision, parts parts of us, so-called unclean, are separated from us. You see, baptism is also a supernatural act. It's more than just taking a dunk in some water. It's God coming and doing a work that no man can do, cutting away, cutting away those, the, the hold that the enemy has on you. It means he is separating you from an old life that still is trying to grab hold of you. It's still trying to pull you back into the pain and the heartache and the bondage that you were in before. You see, it's a, it's a public declaration of something, but it's also a supernatural work that God does. And Holy Spirit was determined that when you, when you build this church, make sure that everyone does this act so that I can do more than save them. I can separate them from their past. Baptism in water is a public declaration of an inward commitment in which God separates you from your old life and connects you to his resurrection life. The next foundation we see in that passage of scripture that we were speaking is that they, he instructed them to be, repent and be baptized. And he said, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a second experience after salvation. Because we learn in John 20 that they'd already been born again as Jesus breathed on them. So this was the second experience after salvation where Holy Spirit would come upon them. He said, this gift is for you and your children and everyone who is far off. In other words, this is not just something that happened there at Pentecost. It's something that is meant to happen for generations forever in the church. That the power of the living God is meant to come upon you in such a way that that the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit are manifested to the world. There is a witness, Acts 1.8 says, that comes upon us, a witness to the world that Christ has risen and nothing is impossible, that Christ Jesus has conquered all of sin and death. When you pray for the sick, you are proclaiming to the world that nothing is impossible. 
When you speak in tongues, you are proclaiming to the world that God has united all of creation under him. When you prophesy to your neighbor about what God wants, you are proclaiming to them that there is a victory, that Christ is one of the world that they can participate in. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is God's power on you to be a witness to Christ's complete victory. The next foundation is spiritual family. For this, I'm going to need two volunteers. Boy Tumelo, can I take you? Alan, can I take you seeing as you've been out of the country? Let's make full use of you while you're here. I need you to each stand at the corners over there against the wall. Thank you. Let's assume that this pulpit is God. I'm sure he's much more beautiful than this. But for the moment, can we do that? Boy Tumelo, you're on a journey to God and you are learning more about him. You're becoming more and more um, intimate with him. I'm going to ask you to walk slowly toward God. Can you do that? Toward this, this representation. Of, yeah, you, you, can, you, can miss out the, you can miss out the speaker if you want to. You're doing well. Alan, same thing, on a journey to God, keep walking toward him. I want you to note what is happening to the two of them. They are getting closer to God, but what's happening to them? They're getting closer to each other. Can you see that? It is impossible. Thank you, guys. It is impossible. It's impossible to reach out for a closer relationship with God and not get closer to people. And you see, in this particular scripture, it doesn't say that 3,000 people were saved. Obviously, they were saved. But it says 3,000 were added to the church that day. In other words, that was Holy Spirit's focus. I don't just want you saved. I want you in with my people. I want you together. I want you bonded. I want you friends. I want you working together. I want the life that is in each other to be, to be distributed amongst all of you. Spiritual family is the relationships you are committed to within a local church that allow you to serve out your calling in Christ. You see, one of the things we do as we are walking toward God and, and getting closer to one another, committed to this, this body and to one another, is that in there we begin to serve one another. And we do it through the manifestation of, of the gifts of the Spirit that, that came upon you as you were baptized in the Spirit. You do it with, with your personality and the talents that you've been given. And as a result, you become better at, better and use, at using them. You become more yourself. You fulfill your calling. And then as you become more proficient at that, you are able to use that in the world. The first time I prophesied was to a Christian in church. And because they loved me, they smiled. <laughs> because it was my first prophecy and it was very wobbly. 
But because they smiled, it made me confident to do it again. And I did it again and again and again. And before I knew it, I was doing regularly. And then I discovered this gift that, I, that is growing in me. I am able to do it out in the world. And I could prophesy over waitresses and over friends and over people. And when I did it, they saw Christ. They came to know him better. And many of them got saved and added to the church. You see, being in spiritual family allows you to become the person you were always meant to be. Then they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. If we want to put a suitcase word around all those things, it's spiritual disciplines. And I know the word discipline is something you may not enjoy. I don't particularly enjoy it. So in my mind, I always change it to the phrase, remembering what I really want. The reason I do that is because when I remember what I really want, I'm able to resist the temporary temptations around me and do the thing that makes for long-term blessing. So the reason I haven't had an affair it's not because I haven't been attracted to people out there. <laughs> the reason I haven't had an affair is because I value my relationship with my husband. And I remember what I really want. The reason I read my Bible it's not because it's fin fantastically amazing every time I do. Maybe 70% of the time it is. The other 30% of the time, I'm just reading it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just reading it. I read it every day because it facilitates a relationship with God. And I remember that that's what I really want. And even when it seems boring and, oh my gosh, I've read this before. I try and read the Bible through from start to finish every year. And so there's not a part I haven't read. So every time I open it, it's not unfamiliar. And the temptation to get bored is there. But I do it. Why? Because every time I do it, my mind is renewed. I think differently. And I'm able to relate to God, my Father, better. I do it because I remember what I really want. I don't know the pastors. Believe it or not. I come to church because I value the interaction I experience with you that changes me. I value the interactions I have with you that build me up and challenge me. I value us being together and I know that it makes me into a better person. That's why I come to church every week. Spiritual disciplines are those habits that facilitate your relationship with God and with your spiritual family. So the last foundation that Holy Spirit laid is the mission of Jesus Christ. Isn't it fantastic that he decided to pour himself out and establish the church at the Feast of Pentecost? When at the moment there were people from every possible nation around there. 
so that he could have maximum impact in the world. You see, God loves you like nothing else. If you were the only person in the world, he would still die for you. However, he feels like that about every single person in the entire world. And he is eager that every single person would hear about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did the crazy thing of having them speak in tongues so that these other people would actually understand that God is good and that the praises of God are worth speaking. I spoke last week about a dream God has for the world. And this dream is to restore perfect unity, perfect wholeness, to vanquish depression, poverty, every ungodly thing, to establish a world where no one is sick, where everyone is right with one another, where there's no killing, where there's no, where there's no stealing, where there's just harmony and delight and wealth and prosperity and um, whole families, children grow up believing that their parents and knowing that their parents love them and are, are whole people. Yeah. Children play in the streets without fear. God is building such a world. And we also learned last week that when he builds this world, he does it through you and me. The scripture we quote, quoted at the beginning of the service, Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he went back up to heaven, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus took all the authority back that we had given away and established him as Lord, himself as Lord of all. And then he gave us that great commission and said, go and make disciples of all nations. Do for them what I have done for you. And he said, you'll never have to do it alone. I will be with you every step of the way. The last foundation the Holy Spirit laid is that this glorious salvation that is yours is not just for you. It's for your neighbors. It's for your children. It's for your parents. It's for your work colleagues. It is for that irritating person that drives you crazy on the bus or on the taxi. It's for every single person. And he's asking us to say yes. When we... When we think about your well-being in this church, when we think about the mission that God has for us, we think of four things. You saw this last week. We think about engaging culture and community, bringing people outside of the church into the church. We think about establishing spiritual foundations. We think about how 
Each person needs these seven foundations established in their life. And each person here needs to be walking with someone and seeing those established in their lives so that their friends and their family can, can live strong and steady Christian lives. We think about equipping believers to minister, which we're going to talk about next week. It's going to be fantastic. Andrew's going to do that. And we think about empowering disciples to make disciples. We think about everything we have, you have, giving it to someone else. That everyone gets a chance to play in this great game of building God's kingdom. Amen and amen. You, oh sorry, let me just conclude. Seven foundations. Lordship saves you. The Lordship of Jesus Christ saves you. Repentance, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, spiritual family, spiritual disciplines, and commitment to Jesus' mission allow you to live the saved life. And my hope is that when you reach out to people around you and you begin to walk with them, tell them, start conversations, ask questions, listen, tell your story, and begin to walk with them, as they journey towards the knowledge of Christ, you would keep these seven foundations in your mind and you would be faithful to remind them of them. You would ask such questions to your friends and family. Is Jesus Lord of that area of your life? You would ask such questions as, have you made a public commitment through water baptism? Would you like to do that? Would you say if... Say to your friend, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? If not, can my connect group pray for you? Or can we come to church and can we pray together? Or can I pray for you? That we would ask such questions of them when they they miss church. Some Some of the most confronting conversations I ever had when someone was discipling me into Christ was when I missed church. And they came to my house after church and they said, is there something wrong? Why didn't you come to church? We missed you. And what it did for me, it did the most astounding thing. It made me realize how important I was. It didn't make me feel like I wanted to run away. It didn't put me under pressure. It made me remember that I matter to this community. And when I'm there, they're less than they can be. You know, it was these, these questions and these challenges that helped me resist all the distractions that the world was throwing at me and stay focused on the mission and lay the right foundation so that I wasn't distracted by the baseball bat that doubled as a carjack and could be used as a taser. I remembered what really mattered and layer by layer, Holy Spirit and my friends built a foundation for me on which I now stand. And right now my faith is rock steady because of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of my friends. I'm forever grateful, forever grateful. Let's be friends like that to the people around them. Let's resist the sensational and keep to the important. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. I'm gonna ask you to all stand. Some of you would, res- would have received for the first time today a little card. 
It's called an Engage card. Some of you received it in the previous two weeks. If you have received it today, what I would love you to do with it is to write on the back. There are five spaces there. I'd love you to write the names of five people that you are believing that they would come to know Christ, that they would be added to the body of Christ, that they would be knit in to the fellowship of the believers. They, they would make Jesus their Lord. So I'm going to give you a few moments if you need to do that now. You can, if you don't have a pen, just nudge the person next to you and ask them for theirs. So just go ahead and write those names of those people. I see some people writing, so I'm just going to give you a moment. And I'm going to invite you, once you've written on that card, to go and stick it on your your mirror in your bathroom where you brush your teeth every morning on the dashboard of your car that you see every day, somewhere that you, you see it every day. And every time you see it, I'm going to ask you to bring these five people before the Lord and pray for them and bless them and ask God to intervene in, the, in your life. We are going to do that right now. So I'm going to invite you to place your hand on that card and on those names. So Lord Jesus, we come before you. I'm going to invite you to pray in any language that you feel comfortable. Pray out loud for these names, naming them specifically before the Lord. Lord God, we bring these people before you and we cry out on their behalves. As people cried out for us, we cry out for them. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would save them. Lord God, we ask that you would destroy every idol that they cling to, Lord God, that has kept them away from you. Every lie of the enemy that has bombarded them, every distraction that has come their way, that has kept them out of your kingdom, Lord God, would you remove those? Holy Spirit, would you have mercy on them? Would you reveal to them the glory of Christ? Lord Jesus, would you become their Lord and Savior? Lord God, would you save them, we cry out. Would you add them to your body? Would you establish them on these firm foundations? Let them walk with you, steady and true, till the end of their lives, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And as we conclude, one more prayer I want to pray. Sorry, one more. before I pray that prayer, I want to invite you this week, please, if you wouldn't mind, those people, those five people, would you find an opportunity to interact with them? Would you either message them an encouraging scripture or a thought from God that you have about them or just a hi, let's do coffee? Would you in some way interact with them? Because as we've been praying for them, God has been preparing their hearts. And let's trust God for conversations, salt conversations, where you ask them questions, you listen, and you're able to tell your story of what God has done for you. Bits of it here and there, maybe not all at once. And let's trust God that we will see them sitting next to you at some stage. The last prayer I do want to pray is if you're here and you, you may have been in church for a long time or you may not, but you know that you're far from God, that Jesus isn't Lord of everything, that you've thought of him as your savior, but you haven't really made him Lord. You haven't surrendered your life to him. And if you are here and you would like to do that, we're going to pray a prayer now. And I'd love you to pray it out loud. We're all going to pray it out loud. And you can pray it out and, and mean it with us. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I surrender my life. I give all that I am. 
to you. Lord, I acknowledge you as the only way to be free from my sin, to be free from my old life, and to be united to God. I repent and turn away from my old way of living, and I say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to pray for you personally. So if you're here and you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind raising your hands because I would love to pray for you. Is anyone here who prayed that prayer and would like further prayer? Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else who did that? I'm going to invite you if you raise your hand or even if you didn't and you know you need this, I'm going to invite you to come out of your out of your chair, just grab your belongings and come forward because I'd love to pray for you here. Can we give them a hand as they come? It takes boldness to do this and we honor you. Well done. Well done, well done. Come on up. Come on up. your new brother and sister in Christ. We're so grateful to have you. Lord Jesus, would you come upon these? Holy Spirit, we welcome them into your body and we say yes. We make space for them. Welcome home. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. I've been leading you here. I've made a place for you. Welcome home. Lord God, we receive these. We bless them. Holy Spirit, fill them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See this beautiful woman here with the blue scarf. Her name's Irene. She just has some material she's going to give you. It won't take long if you wouldn't mind just going with her. Can we give them a hand as they go? Beautiful people, if you are not baptized in Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we would love to pray for you. I would love the ministry team, the fire squad to come forward so that we can pray for people. Don't leave without receiving that. If you have not been baptized in water, we have baptisms next week. Please go sign up at the info table. The following week, sorry, two weekends time. Won't you go and sign up at the info table? We'll contact you and tell you everything you need to do and help you on that journey. But we love you. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you all. Go have a day filled with Jesus.